0: children obey your parents <laughs> if or when or as as long as wait a second obey who said anything about that i'm not a slave and i, I they don't own me you know if i have learned anything from my friends, or the vast amount of videos that I watch online, or from my own extensive personal experience, it's that my parents are kind of lame. Not only are they kind of lame, they're not very bright. In fact, they don't always do what is right. They're kind of like obstacles, To find my way around. My parents are there to give me what I want, when I want, for as long as I want, or until I decide to get a job. They're there to support the decisions that I make. And they should never, ever try to influence me, try to correct me, or try to steer me in a direction that is... Anything other than the passions and desires of my own heart. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I'll hang around my parents for a little while. I'll I'll hang around until I decide that they're outdated or or they're out of step with the, the way I believe or who I am or who I decide to love. The cultural, the current cultural wave is a strong one, isn't it? It's very strong. But in stark contrast to that, God's word gives us very different instructions about how this life is to be lived out and about how we should regard our parents. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 6 this morning. We're just going to be looking at three verses, verses 1 to 3. And would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word out of respect, out of honor, as a statement that together we stand under God's Holy Word. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this Is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land may God bless the reading of his word may be seated the message contained in these three verses is a very very simple one there's not all that much to it and yet it is vitally important especially for the days that we live in. But before we get into the obvious commands, two commands that I see, let's just make a couple key observations. A couple key observations before we start. First of all, who are these kids? It kind of matters, doesn't it? Who are these children that are being referred to here? Who are these children that are supposed to obey? Children are those who are they're still living in the home. On the low end of the spectrum, at the young end of the spectrum, they're old enough to begin understanding and following what their parents say. They have the capacity to think, to evaluate, to deliberate, to make choices. Are they going to listen? Are they going to obey? Or are they going to dig in and draw their swords? My, for my kids, that was about age 10 months. <laughs> it happened really, really early, and it completely shocked me. On the other end of the spectrum, how old are these kids? Well, they're still being brought up by their parents. They're still receiving instruction. They're still receiving some correction. They're still being provided for. Now, there's a certain subjectivity to this, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of wishy-washy, kind of gray, and it varies from culture to culture. In the Roman society of Paul's day, children really never came of age as long as their father the father of the house was living they were considered under his authority and there are actually some cultures around our world that still are are in line with this type of thinking in our society it's about 18 that's when children come of age but you know paul doesn't really give us any hard and fast details here regarding who is and who is not a child and I'm not sure that that is the important piece of Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. As I look at these verses, it's clear that Paul's goal it isn't to give parents parameters, right, an age limit for how long they can boss their children around. That's not what this passage is about. He's not saying, as long as they're between 1 and 18, or 1 and 21, or whatever you draw. He's not saying, you can boss them around, you can tell them what to do, and they have to listen. If they don't, well, they have God to answer you. That's not where he's going with this. But instead, he's talking directly to children. He's speaking directly to their hearts. And he's assuming that these children know who they are. Recognizing that the natural bent uh, of, of these children, of their fallen hearts, leads them to be self-reliant, to be independent. Hearts that it, it want to exert themselves, resist authority, and go their own way. Hearts that, that tell them to obey their cravings and to, uh, throw off all the shackles of authority that are out there. Do what you want to do. That's what is right. Recognizing all of that that's innate innate in young children, Paul's saying, walk manner, walk worthy of the manner to which they have been called. He's he's saying, say no to that old way of life. Say no to the beating of your hearts that says you just need to rebel. And say yes to the new way of life, which includes obeying their parents. I think the takeaway from this first observation is this: that, that we should be asking ourselves, do I still fit into this category of child? And if so, am I living as a child of light in regard to the parents that God has given me? And here's the thing, even if I determine that I'm no longer a child, I'm no longer under the authority of my parents, the obligation to honor them That doesn't go away. It remains. Because even if I'm no longer a child, I'm out of that range which is culturally considered a child, as long as my God-given parents are still in the picture, well then I'm still called to honor them, right? How do you honor your parents? Does it go beyond just the respect that we give them in being polite? in listening to their advice and maybe treating them to dinner every once in a while or listening to those stories that they've told over and over and over again? Does it go beyond that? Could it be that it includes refusing to neglect them as they get older? Refusing to let them fall by the wayside? Could it include that as well? Does honoring our parents mean caring for them as we are able in their later years of life? And I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. It has to. In Matthew 15, Jesus was interacting with these Pharisees. These Pharisees had come up with a loophole when, for, for caring for their parents. See, they didn't really want to be dishing out all kinds of money so that their parents could have a nice, nice cush retirement. Instead, they came with this plan, if we take the money that is supposed to go to our parents and we dedicate that to God, well then, we, we're off the hook here. And you know, mom, dad, come to us for money. We just say, "Well, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I dedicated this money. You wouldn't want me to steal from God to give to you." And Jesus said, "You know, that's that's a good plan. As long as you're given to the church, that's what I want. You know, because the church needs more money. We need to big build bigger buildings here. No, 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 no. no. He doesn't do that. He he calls them out on it, and he he points out from Scripture that." These guys are obeying this tradition that they've come up with rather than God's holy word. They can't be doing that. He says, what does the Bible say? Honor your father and mother. And then he points out whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. This is serious stuff to neglect your parents. Our old friend John Stott writes, Our parents occupy a unique position In our lives, if we honor them as we should, we will never neglect or forget them. Although in some circumstances it may be unavoidable and in others even desirable, it is a sad reflection on the selfish Western tradition of the nuclear family that instead of looking after our elderly relatives ourselves, we consign them to an old people's home. Children are commanded they're commanded to obey. They're commanded to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. But everyone has this ongoing responsibility to honor their parents. That's the first observation. Who are these children? They're those who are still living in the home, and yet there's a command here for all of us. The second observation is this. Children belong In the church. Children belong in the church. And when I say in the church, I actually mean this service right here. This letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, it would have been read in the assembly of the believers. When they gathered together for worship and the the hearing from God's word, that's when this letter would have been read. And notice this letter, this passage we're in this morning, Paul addresses children directly. Notice he doesn't say to parents, hey, I've got a message for you. I've got something I want you to pass on to your kids. He doesn't say that. Nor does he say, you know what, I want you to go equip your Sunday school teachers so that those kids out there in the corner, they can learn the truths of God's word. He doesn't say that. Instead, he's talking to those kids that he knew would be present in the assembly of believers. They would have been worshiping right alongside their grandparents, right alongside their parents. They would have been sitting there listening to God's word. It's vitally important that we realize that children, the children among us, they're part of this church family. They're a vitally important a legitimate part of this church family. And I'm not saying that all children are saved. Nor am I saying that all chur- children should be considered voting members of the family of God. I'm not saying that, but I am saying I don't think our children should be shoved into the corner. I think we need to question that old adage, children should be seen and not heard. That leads us, when a a child's in among us and we hear a scream or we hear them talking or there's some type of disruption, leads us to look over and glare and think, man, what are those parents doing? Why do they have their kids in here? I'm saying that parents and grandparents, there's something incredibly valuable of having your children and your grandchildren in here with you, watching you cry out to God and worship him with your whole heart and sit under the teaching of his word. There's something something really good about that and there's something really good about teaching our children to actually sit and listen and strain to understand even when the vocabulary that is being used is, is beyond them there's something really valuable about that and while it may make it challenging for you as a parent or maybe a grandparent to actually soak in the word being preached I think there's there's a greater reward that's going to come from a family that is learning and growing in Christ together. You know, if Christ considers his church, members of his church, part of his family, then I think it follows that family, all of it, should be a welcome part in his church yes they're messy yes they can be loud obnoxious fidgety unruly at times but you know so are we (laughs) so are we and it doesn't disqualify them from having a place among us does it jesus said let the little children come to me do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of god in Mark eighteen five, whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me. This was radically countercultural. We talked last week about how children were so often disrespected, so often abused, so often regarded as disposable commodities in the days of the Roman Empire. One commentator went uh, described it this way: unwanted babies were abandoned, weak. Uh, unwanted babies were abandoned, weak and deformed ones killed, and even healthy children were regarded by many as a partial nuisance because they inhibited sexual promiscuity and complicated, easy divorce. These children are pain. Why do we we have these guys around? In a society that pushed children to to the side, Jesus says, bring them in. Bring them close. This is probably a good time to point out that being a follower of Christ, being a follower of Christ is not about going with the flow, is it? It's not about letting our state or the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals or even the Supreme Court determine our morality. It's not about getting approval from the masses, and it's not about those little, those little heart icons or those little thumbs up that we get on social media. It's not about getting a ton of those and making ourselves feel better because a lot of people are approving of what we're doing. It's, it, I mean, if society decided to jump off a bridge, should we follow? Or We're not a bunch of lemmings here, right? It's about being in line with Jesus Christ, about walking hand in hand and in step with the Savior and seeking his approval alone. That's what it's about. Children, they belong in the church. They need to hear God's word preached just as much as you and I do. They're important things that they need to learn. So in our passage this morning, Paul turns to the children and he tells them that your job is to obey and honor your parents. But just as you and I know all too well, Paul knew it's not enough just to tell those kids this is what you need to do. Because children always need to know why. They need to know what's the reason for this. And and what are the conditions to to which I need to, circumstances need to be a certain way so that then I obey, right? Why should children obey and honor their parents? First of all, this is revolutionary because it's right. Because it's right. Children should obey their parents if they're going to live in a way that God designed them to live. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right you don't need to be a christian to know that children should naturally obey their parents in fact throughout human history and in every society it has been an expectation an unwritten rule you don't need to be taught it you just know it internally parents absolutely know it when they give birth this child should obey me greeks the romans they were on board with that. The moralist teachers taught it. The Stoic philosophers, they said, it's just—it's it's obvious. From reason, looking out at nature, looking at the way things are, this is the natural conclusion that we come to. Children should obey their parents. Even Confucius agreed with this. And what's more, children obeying their parents, it isn't just a, a good thing. It's not just a nice thing because we want to have peace in our home and because we want to be, you know, uh, over our kids and have them dance around us and do the things that. That's not what this is about, and that's not one of the ultimate results of it. But it's actually a necessary element for society itself, for the stability of any society. If you're in a society that denies a child's responsibility to obey his or her parents then you're in a society that is on its way down it's on its way towards falling apart when god etched in stone those 10 commandments he handed them to moses and he wrote on there that children are to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. He wasn't putting on them some type of unnatural stipulations. Instead, he, he, was, he was gifting them with, uh, by making explicit what was already naturally obvious to them, but making explicit this command that coincided with the way things are. It's as if he was letting them in on, on kind of a little secret. It's like, here's a life hack for you. You want a stable society? You want a thriving society? You want to live long in the land that I am going to give you? Well, children, you've got to obey and honor your parents. This is the way that things work. Take this away, and you're going to be hurting. You're going to have problems. That's one of the reasons almost everything you purchase comes with instructions, right? It comes with detailed instructions. Those instructions aren't just there so that you can have this mundane, like boring reading material. That's not why those instructions are there. They're there so that you can get the most out of what you bought. So that you can use it in its proper way. And it's going to be exactly what its creators intended it to be. Children, if you want to live in a way that God designed you to live, If you want to do it right and get the most out of life, then we have to follow the instruction manual. And not only is it written on our hearts, but God has spelled it out for us. If we didn't get it before, we should get it now. Obey and honor your parents, because this, this is right. Now, the objection that's going to be raised is, what if? What if? What if... My parents are abusive, and it's the sad reality of our age, and I think many, many ages past. I think as long as sin has been in our world, there has been abuse in the home. But one of the things we have to ask is, what is this abuse? We have to define it, right? Because these days, abuse could be anything from physical harm inflicted on a child to telling your child to stop watching TV or get off the Internet because they need to do their homework. I mean, what is the abuse, right? I think that it's safe to say that if you were in danger, maybe you've been told, don't tell anybody. I did this to you, but don't tell anybody. Then I think it's safe to say you need to get help as quickly as possible. Get someone who can come in and speak into your situation. And obedience isn't your first order of business right there okay what if my parents they ask me to do something that's wrong or something that is going to be dangerous to me or maybe to others or what if my parents they t- they tell me not to follow christ and not to trust in jesus i think there are some exceptions here some cases where you say yeah okay you need to obey god rather than your parents but certainly the norm Certainly the norm is, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The norm is obedience here. We need to obey and honor our parents because it's right. We also need to do it because we are in Christ. Children should obey their parents if Christ is their Lord. Notice what Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. When he writes in the Lord, he's not saying that children, you only need to obey your parents if your parents are fully devoted followers of Christ. They profess Christ, they're walking the walk, children of light, there's no hypocrisy here, what you see them do at church and the smiles that they put on their faces, those same smiles continue on when you get home and you're working on laundry or doing the yard work or whatever. That's when you obey your parents because they're in the No, no, he's not saying that. He's talking about them. He's talking about the children here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Are you in the Lord? Do these children, do they sit among us and confess Christ? Have they looked to Jesus as the only source of hope, peace, and joy in their lives? Have they been brought out of darkness and into God's marvelous light? And if that's the case, then they are to obey their parents. That's what God's people, members of his family, imitators of God, that's what they do. I like how the New Living Translation puts verse 1 here. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. I think that's what Paul's getting at here. But what does belonging to the Lord, what does that really have to do with our relationship with our parents? Well, if you belong to the Lord you've realized that he is the one, the only one, who has saved us. But not only is he the one who has saved you, but he's the one that we now need to trust and we now need to obey. He is the ultimate authority for our lives now. Our lives have come and they've lined up under God. Once we were sheep going our own way, now we are with the shepherd. He's our authority. Before we were in Christ, we were living lives of rebellion. But now that we're in Christ, we recognize that he, his rightful place is right over us. And we want to live lives that please him. But we also realize, we also have to recognize that if we're going to live lives that please God, then we're going to actually have to submit to the authorities of that he's placed in our lives. Parents don't come to us by chance. If God is sovereign, that is, if he's in absolute control of all things, and the Bible seems to point us that direction, in fact, it absolutely points us in that direction, then that includes children which have been given to specific parents. He intentionally places them over us. Or at the very least, he's allowed them to be in that position of authority over us. And therefore, to defy their authority, well, that's to actually defy God himself. Christian children, they don't don't obey their parents because their parents have earned their respect. That's not why we obey our parents. They obey them because they love and desire to obey Jesus Christ. That's why we obey. What did Christ do? He came to fix what was broken, right? He came to uh, right the wrongs. Our sin, our failure to obey God, well, that just put everything asunder, messed everything up. God created our bodies, but sin has infected our bodies, and these bodies of ours, you and I know all too well, these bodies of ours are breaking down. God created marriage to be this beautiful thing where two people become one, and our sin is destroying and it's ripping people apart god created family and sin leads children to turn against their parents and rebel and it leads parents to turn on their children and abuse them everywhere you look you see this fracturing you see this dismantling you see this the disintegrating effects of human selfishness and human rebellion but jesus came to transform all of that he came to to straighten what had been twisted he came to bring back what had once been lost he came to rebuild what had been crushed and he came to reconcile what had been separated without without christ children obey their parents for this is right they obey their parents because maybe they're forced to they're going to be punished if they don't. Or maybe they, avoid their, uh, maybe they obey their parents because they've learned that that's really the path of least resistance here. If I'm going to get what I want, well, then I need to obey my parents. As firstborn, that was my MO. I know what to do. My brothers don't have a clue here. They're acting out. They're screaming. They're kicking. They're fighting my parents. But if I just be the good child, well, then everything is going to be great. Without Christ, that's what we do. We're practical people. But children who are in the Lord, they obey Christ, they they obey their parents, because this is one of the ways that they worship Christ. By obeying their parents, by saying, yes, mom, (laughs) yes, dad, God gets glory. Glory. Is the work of Christ is put on display. It looks all the more effective because it is changing the hearts of these children. Every time a child forgives his or her parents' shortcomings, and they they talk respectfully to them, they honor and love them in spite of all their imperfections. And there are plenty of imperfections in parents, aren't there? Every time they do that, they point to the beauty of Jesus Christ. Their savior. You know, we think it's hard for us to overlook the faults of our parents. Just think about what it was like for Jesus. We're right so many times, and we look at our parents, you don't have a clue, you're so wrong. Just think, Jesus was walking here, he was never wrong. He was always right. And how many times do you think Mary and Joseph were not quite so right? And what did Jesus do? Luke two two 2.51 tells us, he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. <laughs> this is Jesus. This is the perfect one. We know that his this time and time again, his parents failed, and yet God's word tells us he was even he was submissive to them. Children should obey their parents if they're going to live in a way that God designed them to live. They're also going to obey if Christ is their Lord. Because by respecting and obeying their parents, they're respecting, obeying, and honoring Christ with their lives. Finally, they should obey because it's the path of blessing. They should obey and honor because it's the path of blessing. They should obey when they've decided that they want God's best for their lives. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now when God ruled over Israel, he ruled over this peculiar people of his, this nation. He promises them that if they obey then they are going to go into the land and they are going to stay and live long and be blessed in that land that God has, is giving them. So you might look at that and you might say, okay, well that was for them, what about for us? Well, Paul takes this and he transitions it now to the expanded body of God's people. This new nation that God has created, this new family that God has created for himself. And Paul takes this promise and he says, this is for you as well. Now, some people look at this promise and they say, you know, this is something that is really, if it's for us, if it's for Christians now, this is really about the the next life that we're going to have, that we're going to inherit the real promised land. We're going to inherit heaven and, oh, it is going to be incredible, it is going to be wonderful. Um, They look at this and they say, honor and obey your parents because that's going to give you rewards in heaven. It's going to put... You've heard it said, he's going to put jewels in your crown, right? I'm not saying that's not a part of what God does, how God rewards. But if we look at this verse and we look at the the words that Paul uses here, it's hard to make that the meaning. Because Paul leaves in the the phrase that says, in the land. Or upon the earth is another way that could be translated. Based on that phrase, it, it seems that he's saying that obeying your parents, that honoring your father and mother, that's going to actually lead to blessing while you live here, this life, here on earth. But you say, how can that be? I mean, you and I, we can all point to probably many, many numerous examples of children who had honored their parents, who had obeyed their parents, and it didn't go so well for them. They suffered incredible trials, or maybe they died young. You remember that Billy Joel song, Only the Good Die Young? It's there for a reason, right? Because this kind of thing happens. Some people have uh Have looked at this and they said it, well it, it, it can't be that because it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I mean, there are children who suffer, good children who suffer, only the good die young, and what they do is then explain this and they say, Well, this is like a proverb, okay it's not necessarily the way it always is, but generally. Generally speaking, if you obey, if you honor your parents, well, then things go well for you. They go a little bit better for you. And I uh, I don't disagree with that. But there's a third way to look at this. It could be this it could be that this actually, this promise that's given here, actually applies to the larger community. It could be that this promise is not just to those individual children here, but it's, it's a promise that says that children, communities with children who obey and honor their parents, well, those communities are healthier, they're more stable, and they last longer. And so it's a well-known fact that strong communities are founded in part on strong families within them. And strong families are healthy families that have children obeying their parents. I think this is one of the reasons that, that here in America we, we have reason to be concerned. As our family structures here in our country are being threatened, they are being undermined, they are being attacked in increasingly detrimental ways, I think there's reason to be concerned about the stability of our land. But here's the thing. This is where we got to go. We can throw up our hands. We can tear our clothes. We can put on sackcloth and ashes in mourning for what's happening in our culture. We can say, woe is us. What are we going to do here? But that's not going to get us very far. It's not going to get us very far. The reality is is that strong families are built one at a time. They rise and fall depending on on the solid, being founded on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Strong families are key here. Certainly we need to be praying for our country. And certainly when it comes time to vote, and it's coming time real soon, we need to be out there and we need to vote our hearts and vote according to what we know in God's truth. That is important. But first and foremost, I think we need to be like David in Psalm 139. And make his prayer our own. And that is this. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The change that we need. It begins right here. Right in our own hearts. As we come to the Lord and we confess our sin, we surrender territory to Him, and we wash our minds in His Word, and watch as His Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. It begins with children like you and me choosing to say no to the deeds of darkness and walk as children of the light. It begins as children obey their parents in the Lord, For this is right. And for those of us who are a little bit older, continuing to honor our fathers and mothers as long as they're with us. Children, they should obey and honor their parents. One, because it's right. Two, because they're in Christ. And three, because it's the path of blessing. Let's be children of light. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. Sometimes it just slaps us right in the face. And like those Pharisees, Lord, we come up with all sorts of reasons, all sorts of excuses to not do what we know is right. But Lord, we sit here this morning under your word saying, God, we want to be in line with truth. Not with what society tells us, not with the current trends, not with even our minds that rationalize things away and make excuses that validate our behavior. Lord, we don't want any of that. We want to be right with your word. And so we do pray, like David, search us. Expose us the darkness that might be in our hearts. Expose the wrong motivations, Lord. Give us tender hearts, hearts of flesh that lead us to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit. Hearts that are humble, that lay down our rights as Christ laid down his rights. Hearts that are willing to submit, not because our parents are the greatest example of human morality, Lord, but because to submit to them is to honor you. And Lord, as we do, we pray your blessing. We pray that you would strengthen families. Lord, I pray for the families of our church. Would you build them together Would you bind them together in Christ? Would you bring about maturity in each and every individual heart? Lord, would you convict us where we are wrong? And would you lead us to come together and worship you with hearts that are full and spilling over because of the grace that you have poured out on us? We love you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ. That brings us from death to life. Out of darkness into marvelous light. That mends the broken. Brings healing and health to the sick. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.